we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this June 17, 2017 edition. Hey, very quickly, want to remind folks, go listen on YouTube. You can also listen to it in the archives. A show I did on June 15th for the next 30 days, we are having our Patreon drive, you could call it. We are trying to reach our goal in this Patreon member subscription. And so I'm encouraging everyone to go to WeekendVigilante.com and check out that banner. And you really have to listen to the June 15th show where you could say I'd get very up close and personal. I talk about my 10-year anniversary as of this July 15th, waging war on corruption. And the video was actually called, Will the Weekend Vigilante Be Silenced for Good? Don't get left out of the loop of what's going on. Go check that out right now. And I thank you for checking that out. And I would really value your feedback on it. And, you know, just a final thought on that that I didn't say in the video, or at least it didn't come across, is I really want to start devoting some time to praying for people that really need it. And that's another benefit of having more time to be able to commit I want to be able to give people an hour of my time if they need it. So I'm going to kind of set aside six hours a week to start specifically for people that really need prayer. Because you know what? I want to have a quality relationship with my listeners. It's not all about the shows. It's also about being available for you when you really need the prayer. When you've got something really going on and you need to talk, you need some biblical counsel, you just need a listening ear, or you need some major prayer, that's really my passion. You guys know that because you know how I feel about prayer. Wrote a book on it. And if you don't have power prayers, you have to get it. You have to go get that book, Power Prayers. It's on my website under books. But listen, it's so important to develop a relationship with you. That is really important to me. Because without you, this whole thing is pointless. So I really am trying to think of ways that I can connect with my listeners and really develop a relationship with you, the listener. And if anybody has some ideas on that, I would love to hear them. Well, we can work out something where I say give you an an hour of my time for a donation, of course, because my time is worth something. This is one of my passions, of course, is to be praying specifically with you. Again, I mean, I just can't say enough about the power of prayer. So these are the kind of things that I'm thinking of. So just know that that is really important to me. And make sure after you do listen to the June 15th show, for those listening to this on YouTube, I've also linked it in the description and on the podcast. I've linked it on the description as well. Well, I want to jump right into this show. It is so good to have on a good friend of the program, I'll tell you, he is such an amazing guy. It really is always such an honor for me to have him on the program. And I'm really excited to welcome back to the show. It is the one, the only from theappearance.com. It is Augusto Perez. Augusto, welcome back to the program, sir. It is a pleasure. It's good to be back with you, Sheila. Thank you for inviting me. So great to have you on the program. Listen, Augusto, what I want to talk about, and I have been really praying and and asking the Lord, and actually I've been doing a study on this, is the law, of course, sowing and reaping. Of course, people are all over the map on this tithing thing. Some don't tithe. And, And, you know, I'm fascinated that the people that don't tithe, this is just really fascinating to me, that they are always the ones that are struggling and in poverty. And I know there's also poverty curses, there's generational stuff, but I'm always fascinated with some of these heretical teachings. It always frustrates me that every single thing in the mainstream church seems to be about every day is a Friday, 
It's just a plethora of prosperity. It's these lascivious lifestyles. On the other hand, God does want to bless his people. You know, there's definitely principles around money. There's no question about it. The law of sowing and reaping and tithing is something I believe that God says to test him on it. But it's just, it's all over the map. And people are, people just zone out when you talk about money. You know, they don't understand the principle. This principle we're talking about, there are some truths there. However, it has been taken to extremes, yeah. and uh, it, it's become heretical in some areas. And the same thing with the with the prosperity. There is a real truth in sowing and reaping. Uh, I know because not because I learned it in uh, Bible school. I know because I lived it. Yeah. And uh, I know that God broke that uh, that that spirit over my life when I when I obeyed God and I gave. And, uh, and that is a concept, Sheila, that is very, very difficult for people to learn because, uh, you know, you look at reality, you look at the circumstances, and people say, I cannot give if I don't have. But that is exactly where I was. That is exactly where I was back in the, I, I guess it must have been the year 94, 95, somewhere around there. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I mean, I had a six-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl, my wife. I had to uh, support them. Uh, I had a mortgage to pay. I mean, and I was struggling. I was really struggling. Gave up my secular job, and uh, I didn't know what to do. You know, God had called me. I knew he had called me, no doubt about that. You know, and all of a sudden, there I was, not being able to support my family, and that was a very bad time for me, my wife. And, uh, you know, and I didn't even tell her half of the stuff that we were experiencing, you know, how we might not have enough to pay the mortgage or pay the electricity. I mean, I kept that away from her. She didn't know how bad it was. And so at that time, that's when the, I, I had an experience with God. And, you know, God told me to help a uh, ministry, you know, out of the blue. I felt I knew I knew I had to do it. It, it was not the voice that said, Augusto, give. no, no, no. I knew I had to do it. And I knew that if I did it, if I obeyed him, he was going to uh, do something, was going to break. And uh, I, I never forget it, Sheila. And um, I, I decided I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And uh, I went to my bedroom. I had a bedroom office there. Uh, sometimes when I was fasting and praying, I, that's where I spent time alone. And uh, my wife went there with me and we prayed with held hands. And I told her, I said, I'm going to do this. I got to do this. And when we prayed and I made a vow before God, at that moment, there was an extension cord on the floor an electrical cord, and I kid you not, that thing went just poof and burned and uh, burned a hole in the carpet, and uh, it caught fire when I spoke out those words. And from that moment on, God began to work in my life supernaturally. I'm talking supernaturally. And uh, yeah, so I learned that principle in my real life, in, in, in my skin. I'm telling you that that is a, a Bible principle that works. However, you know, I don't go around telling people, you know, this, you know, give and to get, you know, no, no, because that is not how you do it. Because God wants his people to have a given heart. It's not about giving to get. That's not the idea. But there is a reward when you give uh, with love and when you give with all your heart. There is. He will reward. And uh, he will bless you because that, you know, it's just like a father. When his kids are doing the right thing, he blesses them, you know, to reinforce what they're doing. There's the, you know, most people out there, they don't get it. You know, the ones that go for that um, bless me club, you know, they, they, they understand that, but then they, they do it out of greed. You know, they give so that they can become rich and, you know, and that's not the right spirit either. This is a truth that has got to be taught correctly. And if it's not taught correctly, it will become uh, heretical, which is what it has become, a heresy. Well, then on the other side of the coin, you got these El Chipos. They don't freely give. They don't cheerfully give. It's like, oh, praise the Lord, freely we give. You're giving your book away free, right? You know, you're doing this free. Praise God. Can I get a discount? It's like a friend of mine said her husband just cringes when Christians walk into his store because it's like, oh, praise Jesus. Can I get a big discount? But I've been out with Christians and they just they don't even tip. They're cheap. And it's it's like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm not going to tip you, but oh, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you a Bible track. Sadly, there's a whole lot of religious spirits also when it comes to money. There's a lot of really cheap Christians. I'm just telling you. Do you find that strange? Well, they don't understand. They don't understand the principle. This principle we're talking about, they don't 
understand it. If they would understand it, they would be bending backwards to to be a blessing to others, to give. Well, Jesus said it himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a really important principle, but it's also important to understand that there can be curses, too, that block the blessings of God, and even things like family generational, even death curses, etc., that a death curse, if it's in your family, I believe that can really block a lot of things in your life, too. Like, take, for example, I really believe that I had a death curse until I got delivered from that. And I couldn't figure out what was going on because, I mean, I was looking at my family. I thought, okay, my grandmother was a hunchback. She had um, terrible, disfigured back, and she couldn't walk. She had a really hard time getting around. My mother became a quadriplegic. My brother, before he died... He died of a big pharma test drug, a pain med ate through his stomach lining, and he died. But he was a quadriplegic. He was hit by a car when he was five years old, my brother. And weirdly, every single one of my mom's brothers, the ones that died, they all died of really bizarro freak accidents. My uncle was an avid rock climber. He was world-renowned. He was featured in National Geographic. He was climbing the face of somewhere up by Squamish, B.C., was climbing and he died in a freak accident. My uncle was an avid fisherman, dies in a freak fishing accident. My cousin started logging when he was 14 years old. Flash forward 30 years later, he's in a logging camp and a big massive log falls on him, kills him, everyone else was fine. My other uncle drank himself to death. I mean, I could just go on and on on that side of the family, how everyone dies of freak accidents. So I really do believe sometimes, Augusto, I'm not saying that every person in your family is going to die in freak accidents, but in my case, I'm going to tell you, I had a death curse on that side of the family, and I did a lot of studying into my family background. I mean, just in my case, there was a lot of Scottish Rite Freemasonry, but I really do believe, Augusto, that a lot of this stuff is from curses. Yeah, absolutely. See, the thing about this is, Sheila, that the curses is... I mean, it, it, it has many, many different uh, factions and many different ways. And, and what happens is that each additional generation brings with it additional curses. Like, you know, we talk about the second, the third, the fourth, you know, and sometimes uh, the 10th generation. But sometimes it may go even further than that because, although the Bible doesn't say it, but because each succeeding generation, okay, brings its own curses, Okay, like uh, a person has a kid, right? A son. Uh, That son has a curse that he's dragging from his daddy and his granddaddy and so forth on. But then that kid maybe does certain things that open up, you know, ways, new doors to the demonic spirits and begins a new curse that did not exist before. So that is added on. That is now a new curse that has to be added on. So this is how this thing, uh, the, the cycles go. But it's not just generational curses uh, many times, uh, Sheila. There is many other things. I don't know if you've been listening to our uh, series, but uh, I'm getting into some really nitty-gritty, uh, I mean, uh, rubber meet the road type of, uh, of, of issues. I'm going to be talking uh, probably this next couple of sessions on bitterness on resentment, on uh, rejection that the people carry throughout their lives. See, so that is not a generational curse. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. But if a person, any person, okay, have problems in their childhood, even in the mama's womb, and that person begins to experience, that baby experiences rejection, okay, that spirit right there opens all kinds of of, of things to demonic spirits. And, and so it cannot be dealt with as a generational curse, although it could be, okay? But it has to be dealt with differently. Yeah, those spirits of trauma, they do cause rejection and real abandonment issues. And that really stems from a damage of the soul, soul damage. It is. It is a soul damage. It, uh, it breeds contempt. It varies, but for other people, it breeds contempt even for uh, the person himself or herself. 
it opens all kinds of old doorways, you know, that relationships uh, are, are affected. The person has, it's like a cycle. They go from cycle to cycle, one bad relationship to another, relationship with friends, because that is in itself, it's like a curse. But it's not in itself a generational curse. It's just that it is a curse itself that started, the cycle started with, you know, from maybe the womb, the mama's womb, or started when they were kids, you know, and then this this leads into other kinds of stuff, which is self-perpetuating. It's what it is, Sheila. It's self-perpetuating because then other people, you know, uh, other people mistreat you because it is a spirit of rejection that attracts other kinds. I mean, this thing goes on and on and on and on, and it has to be uh, d- dealt with. It has to be dealt with, and uh, it is a very powerful uh, demonic spirit that operates through rejection, which can lead to murder, it can lead to hatred, it can lead to bitterness, it can lead to uh, suicide, it can lead to all kinds of things. The bitterness and the hatred, though, I find that sometimes there's almost like, uh, it reminds me of the curse of the bastard. It says, you know, the bastard will not enter. That, that is it. That's what the bastard's curse is. Yeah, because all that rejection is really tied into the bastard curse. They feel rejected by people, but they also feel rejected by God. And it makes them think that God doesn't love them. And then they develop these sort of passive aggressive or non-passive aggressive anger builds up inside of these people. And then they become, they just, they have a lot of rage and they never really feel accepted by people or by God. And that just compounds rejection. There's a whole lot to this. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. See, it is a curse, uh, the curse of the bastard. And uh, it also, it, it can lead to really uh, deep things that affect the child, that affect a, a, a person. Like many of these people uh, in the world today that uh, they're shy, introverts, they're not very sociable, they are like, like lone rangers. Many times those people have deep psychological problems. It all comes down from uh, from when they were children or even from the mama's womb. See, a child, a baby, with all these abortions and all these things going on, a child, a baby, when it is in the mom's womb, can feel rejection, okay? The mom or the dad, or both, maybe don't want that child for whatever reason. Financially, they were not prepared for it. Uh, maybe their relationship is not healthy. Maybe they have a bad relationship. They didn't want a child at that time. Maybe they, they were thinking of uh, maybe divorcing or so, anything. And uh, they just didn't want that child. And uh, the child is born, you see. And they didn't, you know, they thought about it, maybe even aborting that baby. And so when that baby is born, uh, that baby uh, is going to begin to receive backlash from the parents. Okay. That baby already came damaged from that rejection from the womb because babies can't receive that. They they know. And so the mom and the dad, every now and then, are going to, you know, say things, do things that will hurt that baby even further. It will damage that child even further and uh, will cause tremendous uh, insecurity in the child, will cause a spirit of rejection to even deepen, and uh, it will just continue to perpetuate itself. Then uh, when the, the baby goes to school, the child goes to school, he's gonna, the teachers are going to reject him or her, and then the students are going to pick up, because see, the demons pick up on, the, on these things. And so other spirits, other people that have other spirits, they pick up on the spirit of rejection. And so they come and, you know, it's like they start pecking on that person, you know, ridiculing that person. I mean, you see this now uh, all over the Internet, how um, the children, you know, are abused, uh, how they make fun of them. If a girl is overweight or the, uh, the other children are merciless, merciless towards her. And so if that child, that spirit of rejection will just go deeper and deeper to the point where some of them commit suicide. And that person, you know, is damaged. Many times uh, they are driven to, uh, to uh, alcohol, to drugs, to seek friendship and uh, people that, that receive them, that accept them, maybe in, um, in extreme groups, gangs, also in, in the occult. They may end up in witchcraft covens, satanic covens, and all kinds of new age groups uh, driven there by the spirit of rejection, looking for acceptance. You know, who does not want to be accepted? What person in this world does not like want to be loved and accepted? Everybody needs love. 
and uh, everybody needs acceptance. And so uh, when that person is not getting it and that person has a spirit of rejection, what happens is they, uh, they turn critical. They turn very judgmental. They, they become a pest because they want, they want to be accepted so bad that then the jealousy breaks out, you know, if, if, uh, if, if there's anybody, a friend or the husband or the wife, they become so possessive because they have been rejected and hurt so bad that they think that, that everybody's going to leave them, that they're going to be forsaken. They're going to be left. They're going to be rejected. And so they, in their desperation to hold on to that, they become too possessive, suffocating, too critical, too, uh, strifeful, uh, fighting, and you name it. And so... This is a very, very powerful demon. Well, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it refers to as a root of bitterness, a root of bitterness. And he says that he can defile the whole person. So we don't have a lot of teaching on this. We, we do get a lot of teachings on some of the other spirits, you know, the Jezebel spirits and, and the spirits of pride and all that. And, and that's all true. But what a lot of people don't delve into is the fact that what brings those other spirits in, you see? Those other spirits didn't come there. uh, (laughs) They were not the first ones there, you see? They came in. They were invited probably by these other spirits that opened doors. These other demons, they they are like the... um, the Navy SEALs, right? They're going there and they, they, they plant a beachhead. They are the first ones to arrive and then they prepare the ground for the invasion forces, right? They take down the, the defenses. They take down the communication centers. They take down, you know, all that so that the invasion forces come in later. See, the big ones, you know, the big hitters. But these ones are the most dangerous ones because they are the ones that uh, prepare everything. They're the ones that break ground first and plant a beachhead. Mm. This is how it happens with the spirit of, uh, of rejection. Rejection is one of the very first ones, Sheila, and it is so important because everybody goes through rejection. Yeah, and I'm starting to really think that that is why the devil has such a concerted effort to block Christians from knowing about deliverance and getting deliverance and freedom, because it is shocking how many Christians, oh, I don't have any curses. I don't have any issues. It's all under the blood. Yes, Jesus Christ did atone for all of our issues. But guess what? You have to appropriate it. And I'll have to steal a line from Carla because she uses an analogy about a fire extinguisher. You know, if your house is on fire and it's ablaze, you can't just run around going, oh, I've got a fire extinguisher. I've got a fire extinguisher. No, you actually have to appropriate it. Jesus died for our sins. He died for us to be free from affliction. But we have to appropriate that. How do we do it? We break curses. We bind and loose and command out. We can cast out demons. Just because you come to the cross, it doesn't mean that all your issues are instantly dealt with right there, Augusto. No, 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 of course not. Uh, see, the, the difference is the provision is there. The provision is there at the cross. The provision was made. You know, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, right? It, it's finished. He did everything, okay? Some people refer to it as the finished work of Calvary, the finished work of the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's true. It's finished. And he's done everything, and, and we have that provision. But just because we have the provision does not mean that it's automatically ours it's, or it's automatically implemented, see? We have to implement the deliverance. We have to implement healing. We have to implement our kingdom rights just like we have to implement salvation. Otherwise, what happens is, as it is happening, that many people are being led down the road to, uh, to heresy, saying that everybody's saved. There are actually ministries out there. I'm not going to mention the names. If I did, people would know who I'm talking about, that believe that every person on the earth is actually saved, yeah, that yeah. Jesus Christ is you know, it was a blanket thing. He saved everybody, and nobody is going to hell. This is incredible, but it is true. This is being taught by many, many people, many ministries on the, uh, right now on the United States. And so uh, this is what happens when people misunderstand and misapply the finished work of Calvary. Yes, it is finished. 
Yes, Jesus Christ paid the price for all that. It's in the atonement. It's in the, it's in the covenant. But we have to apply it. It has to be appropriated. You know, it's like a bank account. It doesn't matter how much money there is in the bank uh, in your name. If you do not go there and, uh, and claim it and then receive it and cash it, it's not yours. So this is the same. This is the situation. And so salvation people have to appropriate it. They have to claim it. They have to uh, receive it in order for it to be theirs. Same worth, same for uh, deliverance, same for healing, same for uh, a blessing of any, of any kind, of any kind that is in the atonement. Okay, People have to believe it first. They have to believe that it's theirs. Then they have to uh, receive it. They have to claim it. They have to ask the Father, you know, I'm, I'm, give it to me. I'm ready. Just like speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit, everything. But not everybody is filled with the Spirit. Not everybody speaks with tongues. Not everybody is delivered. Not everybody is saved. So that's, you know, that is something that, unfortunately, the majority of people just do not understand. All these terms have been hijacked, too, by the enemy to turn people off of them, like decree, declare, name, and claim, and, you know, the word faith. We have faith in the Word of God, but yet even that term's hijacked now. Yes, because de- uh, even demons have faith. Even they, be- even they believe in God. But uh, James said, Apostle James said that faith without works is dead. In another scripture, he said, show me your works, and I'll show you your faith. In other words... I'll be able to tell what kind of faith you have by your works, you see? And so, uh, and then that's when people jump in and say, well, we don't, we're not saved by works, Augusto. You know, we are saved by faith. Well, (laughs) it's not about being saved by works that we're talking about here. It's about the fact that if you have faith, if you have genuine faith, it will manifest by works of faith that you will do, you see? It's not doing works to earn your salvation is because of your salvation is followed by works of faith, works of obedience. You see, when Jesus talked to the the seven churches in Asia Minor in Revelation, he said, uh, I know your works. You see, he didn't say, I know your theology. He didn't say, I know your preaching. No, he said, I know your works. So works apparently are important. Absolutely. And it was reminding me when it's in there in James, the second chapter of James talks about what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? It's like this. And this kind of reminds me to what we were talking about earlier. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and you don't give them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Exactly. That's a really good point. You know, and I want to touch on something because back to what you were saying earlier about bitterness, there is one theme I'm really noticing, which is kind of interesting that we were talking about rejection earlier because it ties into this fact that I'm seeing a lot of emails that are saying, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and God just doesn't answer my prayer. So what's the point? You know, God doesn't want me to have anything good in my life. What's the point? I've been asking God for something for a long time. What's the point? I had a prophetic word over me. That never came to pass. Nothing ever happens in my life, and my prayers never get answered. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is why it is important to check bitterness, resentment at the door, because if people don't do that, it's going to begin to manifest in those things like you were saying, and um, it's going to begin to uh, manifest in resentment against God and uh, resentment against the gospel and resentment against all these things. And so, again, it goes back all the way to the root. And the root is the root of bitterness. And um, the enemy is very, very cunning. He's very, very cunning. This thing of bitterness and resentment, it's very, it's very closely related to unforgiveness. Many times people pray, and they expect God to hear them, right? They expect God to heal them, or they expect God to solve the problem for them. And it doesn't happen. And so because they carry that spirit of rejection, that spirit of rejection it carries all now, carries over to being rejected. They think they're rejected by God, see? They think that they're not being rejected, 
not just by their mother or father or rejected by their husband or their wife or rejected by uh, their relatives or friends. They now get to the point where they think that God has rejected them. And, um, and so this begins to breed a, a spirit of contempt. It begins to breed a spirit of, uh, of rejection against God and against the church. And this is where a lot of people go. This is where a lot of Christians go. They're, they have been uh, burned in churches. They have been uh, abused by pastors. They have been rejected by the churches. They not loved, not accepted. They've been treated in churches like, uh, you know, like, like, like pieces of furniture. And, uh, and not as human beings that need love and acceptance and, you know, all that stuff. And and so eventually they just reject the churches. There's many people like that now. Uh, they don't go to any church. Then they start listening to a radio uh, podcast like, like, you know, like yourself, your programs, my programs and others. And uh, eventually they become uh, sarcastic and they because they have been hurt. Because they have been rejected, because they have been abused, and there is resentment there, uh, brutal bitterness. They just are very close. They don't open up to uh, to anyone. Basically, they're looking for uh, mistakes. They're looking for any any got you uh, moment uh, <laughs> that they can get, so that you do anything wrong, you say any wrong thing, maybe you do not handle something the right way. They they got you. See, instead of being more. Uh, forgiven, more loving, more understanding that a person may be going through difficult situations. The person may have gone through a, a tremendous trials and tribulations and may have may be suffering from rejection, going through uh, issues in their own life, in the life of their family. They don't know any of this, but they're quick to pull uh, the trigger and accuse and uh, slander and backbite. And so they get to the point where... Uh, it carries on to all the way to uh, rejecting the Lord, they're rejecting yeah. God. You know, this is why thankfulness, being thankful. I t- I've taught on being thankful, being thankful to, it, to to everybody. You know, anyone that does anything good for you, be thankful. And you know, many of these people, uh, Sheila, that have a problem with bitterness and resentment and rejection, the first thing that you that they'll say is. Well, God is using them. It's not them. It's God. You know, I think I thank God. You know, that's how they, uh, that's their attitude. And they don't realize that although it's partly true that God uses people, okay, to bless others, those people are vessels that God is using. And as a result of that, we are commanded, okay, in the Bible, it is a command where Paul says, be thankful. It is not a uh, suggestion. Be thankful, okay? If somebody, uh, you know, teaches you, some preaches to you, if somebody helps you, be thankful. At least be thankful. Maybe, you know, they don't have to send their tithes, they don't have to send their money, their whatever, but at least they have to be thankful. They have to be able to say, thank you, I appreciate that. And, And believe it or not, this is something that is extremely lacking in the body of Christ. You know, there are very few that are thankful. The majority is just gimme, 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 and uh, and when you uh, you know mention something like this, like what I'm saying, they said, no, you you're supposed to do that. It is your duty, you know, to uh, the gospel is free, blah blah blah. You know, it's it's that's the kind of attitude. And when that what when that person says things like that, what that person is telling me in my spirit, what I am discerning is. You got bitterness in your heart. Mm. You you have resentment in your heart, and you have rejection in your heart because you have been. Maybe they went to a church before, okay? Maybe the pastor took all their money and maybe used it on himself, bought new cars, new homes, a new uh, airplane, whatever. They felt betrayed. They felt like they couldn't trust anybody. They couldn't trust any ministries. And there and there's a lot of people like that out there. They have been hurt. They have been abused. They have been uh, really uh, used and misused by these ministries that uh, have no no ethics, have no morals. And so now uh, they judge everybody by the same standard. And they don't realize that there is in the world real and fake. There's the reals and there's the fake. Real ministries, fake ministries. Real apostles false apostles, real pastors, 
false shepherds. Real teachers, false teachers. You know, false prophets and real prophets. The only, I think the only fivefold ministry that the Bible does not refer to as false is evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. All the other four ministries, there are, uh, you know, false and real. And the reason is basically because the evangelist, all he does is preach the gospel and go on. So, you know, you can't go wrong there if you preach the gospel. (laughs) I mean, how can you preach a, uh, unless you preach a false gospel, then I guess that would apply. But this issue is very deeply embedded in Christians today. Many people out there listening to this. And uh, they may not like it because they think that I'm targeting them. Trust me, I'm not targeting anybody. I'm just shooting. And uh, if anybody uh, screams out, hollers, it's probably because they got hit, because it applies to you. But uh, this is not for any specific person. This is for whomsoever. And uh, we all need to be healed. And that's the thing. It's so important what you just said about healing, Augusto, because Jesus really does. He looks at the heart. There is so many factors that cause a person to be hurt. I mean, nobody understood persecution more than Jesus. But you and I have paid a price for ministry. Yeah, we could go off into a secular job, but it's it's pretty tough to walk away from your calling. I've been told before, if I just shut up about demons, I could have a big mainstream Christian show, you know, just Put a sock in it, Zelensky. You know, I've struggled with censorship. We're under a barrage of a 24-7 demonic attack that is around the clock. You know, I've had sponsors pull out of my, my show because I talk about controversial issues, certain topics that people don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. But I'm, I'm surprised at how many people, they do not put a value on ministry for those of us getting it out in the front lines. I get emails that absolutely would make your jaw drop. I mean, Christians can be really nasty. Why don't you go get a real job and quit pandering to the poor? Christians can be the most vile, nasty, downright jackals. And and of course, this is not everyone. But, you know, those times when you just get a barrage of being relegated to the depths of the damned and those are the nice ones, you just, you do and you can get because I know I've had it before, you can get a spirit of bitterness towards people and towards God. Yeah, absolutely. Because the harder a person preaches the gospel of the kingdom, the more that person tries to live it, the more that person tries to obey the things that Jesus spoke when he was here on the earth and what the apostle Paul preached and taught and the uh, Peter and all the other apostles, the closer a person tries to walk in alignment with that, with those teachings, the more that person will be persecuted and the harder it will be for that person to, uh, you know, to make it, you know, to go through life because that person is going to be rejected. We're talking about spirit of rejection. And this is why in, in order to succeed in this ministry, we have to stay free of spirit of rejection spirits of bitterness and resentment, we cannot afford any ministry, but especially those that that God is using, like I said before, uh, that person cannot afford to have any spirit of bitterness or resentment in their hearts against people or against the Lord or against anybody, because that is exactly how the devil will operate. And so what we have to understand and, uh, and realize is that This is the way it is. Jesus was rejected. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yes. And we hid our faces as it were from him. He was bruised for our, you know, he was bruised for our, and chastised for our iniquities. And with his stripes, we are healed. And uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. I mean, the life of Jesus Christ was an example for us to follow, as it is depicted in Isaiah 53. Nobody nobody sought after him. It says there, he grew up as a tender plant. There was no form or comeliness in him that we should desire him. This is not something, Sheila, that people want to aspire to. 
This is not what people <laughs> get into the ministry for. Yeah. No, sorry. We get people get into the ministry to be famous, to uh, make money, uh, to be popular, to be well-liked. So whenever uh, we start talking about these things, this is not popular. No. And so <clears throat> those that are involved in it, that really mean business, that really love Jesus, love the Lord, want to serve, want to be true to his teachings, want to do it right. See, from the beginning, when the Lord called me to the ministry, he called me to the ministry. Every day I would wake up in the scripture when I was just married with my wife. I, every morning then the Lord would speak to me and say, beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And uh, he called me into the ministry. I didn't go out looking for this. Then a, a missionary to Colombia, uh, who, who later became my spiritual mentor, uh, okay, he uh, basically was the first one to give me an opportunity to preach in his Spanish church there. And I didn't go out looking for it. He called me. He says, you're preaching for me this coming Sunday. I said, you, you, you're kidding. And I said, no, I mean it. To, this <laughs> Sunday, you're preaching for me. I said, I don't, I'm not a preacher. He says, you come and preach for me. Anyway, I couldn't say no. He wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> I went, preached my first message and several months after I was born again. It was not a year since I was born again. I was born again uh, in October 1981, okay, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I married, my, my wife and I married the following uh, February of 82. And uh, Shortly after that, it must have been in uh, April, May, June, somewhere around there, July, I preached my first message. And uh, I mean, after that happened, I told the Lord, I said, uh, if I'm going to preach the gospel, I told him, I said, you know, I have these conversations with God, with my father. I said, if I'm going to preach the gospel, if you want me to preach the gospel, if I'm going to do this, I said, I'm going to do it right. I'm not in this for anything because I was an engineer. I was making lots of money. I didn't need, I, 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 you know, I had it made. And uh, so I said, if you want me to forsake, you know, my career and you calling me into this thing full time, I said, I'm going to do it the right way or I'm not going to do it at all. And that was the deal I made with him. That was the covenant I made. And uh, I have not deviated left and right. If I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it right. And so <clears throat> when you make a commitment like that, you have to pay a price. People pay a price for this. This is not cheap. You pay a steep price when you sign up to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. So help you, God, as it is written in the word, you're going to go through rejection. You're going to go through backstabbing. You're going to go through times of lack, times of need. You're going to go through people talking about you, people criticizing you, people cutting you down. You're going to go through times of betrayal. You're going to go through times when the Lord is nowhere to be found. Where you say, where are you, God? I need you now. Where are you? And nothing, okay, happens. And uh, you find yourself in the shoes of Elijah in the cave of there when he left uh, uh, trying to escape Jezebel. And he, he hid. He, 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 I mean, he was afraid. He was terrified of the Jezebel. <laughs> and the Lord, uh, and there was an earthquake and God wasn't there. And there was a strong wind uh, and God wasn't there. And finally, he spoke in a small, peaceful voice. What are you doing, Elijah? See, what are you doing? And so if Elijah went through this, right? David went through this. Job went through this. Paul, Peter if this great man of the Bible went through this, who are we to be spared the same things? The servant is not above his master. Mm. We are not above our master. And so if the master was called Belzebub, we are going to be called Belzebub. If the master was chastised, he was persecuted mercilessly, we are going to be chastised and persecuted mercilessly without cause. If the master did not have a place to lay his head on, we are at times may go through similar situations. If the master was betrayed by his, his own disciple, who are we? We are going to be betrayed by even those that we have trained, we have taught, and we have raised up 
in the ministry as a son or a daughter in the gospel. So we are not above our master. And so uh, this whole thing, Sheila, is this whole thing is a process. Uh, we walk through this on the earth to teach us to become like Jesus. And uh, the true test, if we have passed this, is going to be the test if we have learned to forgive and love those that do these things to us, those that persecute us, despisefully use us, those that criticize us, tears us down, comes against us without cause. This is how we are perched. This is how we are processed. This is how we are polished in the furnace of fire. And so <clears throat> when we are going through this, we need to be very careful not to grow uh, angry, not to grow resentful, not to grow uh, weary in well-doing, because we are going to reap. We're going to reap. If not here, we're going to reap rewards when we cross the Jordan on the other side. This is what we have to be very careful about, because if we are not, if we if we don't turn this resentment and bitterness and rejection, okay, over to the Lord, okay, it's going to lead to uh, people being irritable. They get angry for no reason. They get angry very easily. They become very short-tempered, little temper tantrums. They are uh, indication of, of deep-rooted bitterness due to uh, stress, due to um, resentment, due to bitterness. This leads people to lose their temper easily. And when people do that all the time, it becomes a cycle. And nobody wants to be a friend or in a relationship with somebody that loses their temper all the time. People that are angry, people that are always, you know, uh, bickering, people that are always retaliating. And so if that doesn't get addressed, if that does not, people don't take care of that. What's going to happen is that every time anything happens, you see, any a, you're walking through life, you're living life, and every time any little thing that triggers that, this is what it means when, when, when people say he got triggered or she got triggered, is that there's a little memory recall of something that happened to that person in years past, or maybe many years ago, it's in their subconscious and they don't even realize it's there, Okay. Maybe someone else now in the present says a little thing, maybe that hurts a little bit, a little hurtful thing, and it triggers. It triggers all those memories back then, and these causes, it causes an instant upset, people to become upset instantly, people to become discontented, people to become angry instantly. You don't even have time to, to think about it. And then afterwards, after the fact, you, you think about it and you say, boy, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I say that? Why? You see, because it's not really what you want to do. It's just, it just happened because of these things that are deep-rooted. They're deeply rooted. And so uh, they have to be uh, healed. They have to be addressed. That is something that if it is not addressed, it can lead to worse things like we were discussing earlier. It can lead to uh, suicide. It can lead to even murder. It can lead to hatred. Uh, I mean, this is this is what triggered Cain back in the Garden of Eden. Cain had the spirit of murder on him, but it didn't start with murder. A lot of people read Genesis and they say, "Well, Cain killed Abel because he was jealous." Yeah, yeah, but it didn't start like that. Yeah, it started with uh, Cain becoming resentful of the love that his mom and dad had for his other brother rather than him. It also was resentment that God accepted his brother's offering rather than his. You see, Cain became bitter because he started with rejection. You see what I'm saying? Started with rejection. It didn't start with murder or even hatred. No, 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 no. You have to go deeper. You have to go back further. It started with rejection. He was rejected then by the Almighty, and then eventually that uh, was transferred, uh, manifested as bitterness. He became resentful that his brother 
was liked by his parents, by his family. His his brother was even more liked by, by God than him. And so this eventually, he got infected. He became so angry that this anger uh, basically basically polluted his mind and his emotions to the point that he murdered. Because all of these things, all of these emotions, and all of these spirits, they go hand in hand, okay? Like I said before, it maybe begin with just a little rejection. Then it, it grows deeper. Then it becomes bitterness. Like Hebrew says, a root of bitterness, it defiles your whole being. So God told him, God told Cain, <laughs> the devil is crouching at the door waiting. He is waiting there. He told him, he said, if you do right, who's going to reproach you that? But if you do wrong, he says, if you choose to do the wrong thing, if you choose to make the wrong decision, the devil or the demon is waiting, crouching like a lion at the door. And so, you know, this is what a lot of people don't realize, that a demon is waiting. They're like predators. They know when somebody is wounded. They know when somebody is resentful. They know when somebody has got a bitter, uh, a bitter spirit full of bitterness. And so they're waiting at the door. You see, this the big ones, okay? The, the, all the little ones are already there. They went in there. They opened the door. That spirit of rejection, which may may be a small demon, maybe not big, but it is that's how strategic it is. It is very powerful in the sense that it is so important, so strategic to everything else. Without that, nothing else would have happened. We all, everyone, we all have to deal with that rejection. It is very difficult to deal with rejection because of our pride. Nobody wants to be rejected, right? Somebody rejects you and your pride says, yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to reject you too. I don't want you either. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not, I'm going to be mean to you. You see, the spirit of rejection is a spirit that makes the person believe that if they do the same thing, you see, I'm going to get right back at them. I'm going to get even, you see, that's the spirit of rejection working with pride now, you see. And so that happens and then it perpetuates, it gets worse, it gets infected, it festers, and then eventually a big, deep root of bitterness begins to develop there. And then it's not just with that person. Now, that root of bitterness defiles that person completely, defiles every other relationship, defiles a relationship with their mother, with their father, with their brother, with their sister, with their husband, with their wife, with uh, their friends, even with God, if they allow it. Bingo. That is so important what you just said. It even allows it to hinder your relationship with Almighty God. And that is very dangerous. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this show who can so relate to what you're saying. You talked about the rejection, the the abandonment, the bitterness, the the resentment. And all of this can defile a person. And you nailed it. That spirit of defilement comes in. And then it's game over. So, Augusto, in the waning moments, if you would do us the honor, I'm just going to let you deal with this and walk the people through right now. If you want to do some deliverance, some prayer, walk us through how we get rid of this nasty, these nasty spirits. Please, if you would, we would be honored if you would pray for us, sir. Sure. Well, the first thing that you need to do is you're listening to this podcast is you have to realize that you have this problem. If you do not realize you have this problem, then no one can help you. So if you know you have this problem, the first thing you have to do is to repent. Ask the Father to forgive you. I'm going to say a very simple prayer. If you can pray this prayer with me, maybe write it down, maybe more than one time. I have found out that repetition is a good thing, especially when it comes to deliverance, when it comes to learning things. So say a prayer like this, Uh, out loud as many times as you need to. Say, Father, dear, forgive me. Forgive me for sinning against you and for grieving the Holy Spirit. I know that you are perfect and that you cannot do wrong. I am sorry that I have resented you and I have grown mad at you and I have grown angry at you. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me that I have even grown resentful of myself angry at myself. 
I forgive myself, Father, and I forgive you because I was holding things against you. I, I release this hatred, this bitterness, this resentment to you. I confess to you now that I have been wrong and you are right. I release this bitterness that I am holding in my heart, this root of bitterness. Dig it out, Father. Free me from this root of bitterness. Root of bitterness towards you, towards anybody else that I may have this. I ask you, Father, to now release me from this bitterness. I give it to you. Remove it far from me as the east is from the west. I now declare to you that I am a sinner and that I need your cleansing, and I need your deliverance, and I need your salvation. I forgive anyone that I have unforgiveness against at this time, that I have resentment against, that I have bitterness against. Please forgive me, Father. I have been rejected since I was small. Since I was in my mama's womb, I have been rejected. But I look up to you, Jesus Christ, Joshua, you were despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. You are my teacher. You are my example. I look up to you as a role model. Forgive me, release me, heal me, and cause the spirit of rejection to be demolished, to be broken in me, and be set free from this rejection, because I know that you have accepted me in the beloved. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if I have been accepted in him, and I have been accepted by the master of the universe, by the father of all creation, who cares who rejects me? I am accepted by the highest court in heaven, by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so heal me of this spirit of rejection. I am accepted by you. I release this spirit of rejection. I release this spirit of bitterness. I release this spirit of hatred, resentment unto you now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, right now, as you are open before the Lord, uh, you open your heart before him. There are other spirits there operating. There may be some even spirits of lusts that are operating in some people. We are living in a society that is moved on by lust and pornography, and uh, licentiousness, and uh, spirits of perversion, and that go along with all these other things, the spirit of rejection, because you have been rejected since you were small, and you have been seeking affection and love, but in the wrong places, in the wrong people. Maybe you were rejected by a member of the opposite sex. The perversion of love is lust. And so because you had been looking for love and you couldn't find it, maybe it drove you now into someone of the same sex or maybe someone of the opposite sex that has abused you, that has used you. And so uh, repent before the Lord, ask him to forgive you. But I'm going to, I'm going to come against the spirits if you are ready to receive it. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we come against every demon and spirits of bitterness, rejection, resentment that have accumulated and have festered in the lives of your precious people for so long. We pluck up those roots of bitterness and resentment and rejection. We pull them up by the roots now. We destroy them and we chop them up and we cast them out in Jesus' name and we take authority over you. We command you to go now. Loose God's people in Jesus' name. We also come against that spirit of lust, spirit of fornication, adultery, spirit of homosexuality, which is a perversion of the love that God wanted. We come against those spirits of perversion. We command you to go loose those people. You're holding on to them. Go in Jesus' name. All that root of bitterness intertwined there with that spirit of perversion. Go in Jesus' mighty name. Your spirit of lust that you sought to deceive your precious people of God that were needing love. Go now in Jesus' name. We break your power in those people in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we pray that you now rain down on them the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. We pray that you now come upon them that with a spirit of liquid love, with the oil, the ointment 
Oh, Father, of your presence, liquid love that will penetrate every fiber of their being and their soul, that they will know that they know that they know that they are yours, that they are loved by you, that you are desperately in love with them. Show, Father dear, show them how much you love them. Show them how passionately in love you are with them. Let them be, Lord, just uh, filled with this knowledge of your love and of your presence and of your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. We give you praise. And we give you all the glory, Father, for everything that you're doing in our lives and you've done in the lives of your people. In your blessed, wonderful name, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Thank you for that incredible prayer, Augusto. Folks, you definitely want to bookmark theappearance.com. I've got all that information in the biome, including his current teaching, how you can tune in on Blog Talk. His contact information is also on his website. Do reach out to him and let him know you heard him on the program you got to check out his teachings. Powerful stuff. Augusto, thank you so much for coming on the program, your time, and do come back and see us again soon, sir. Absolutely. Anytime, Sheila. And I would love to hear any positive reports, uh, praise reports from if anybody received anything today. So Amen. absolutely. Folks, that was Augusto Perez from theappearance.com. Go check his stuff out. I'm telling you, you got to bookmark this site. I hope you were very blessed by the show today, and we're out of time, so we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, and God bless.